genuinely believe that God is a God of freedom? Do you genuinely believe that? If not, we're going to going to sort some things out after this. Um, we're going to change your minds here tonight. Um, now, thank you to my lovely husband who brought this podium up. Um, can we all give him a round of applause? He's so good. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, Sam and I have been um, uh, watching uh, a few series on Netflix, as you do, you, you kind of head home after a long day and you're like, oh, what are we going to watch? Let's put something on. We started watching one show, started getting really like, first season in, it was awesome. Has anyone had a show like that? First season in, it's awesome. It's engaging. The plot like kind of stands out. You like the characters. You're like, oh, this could go well. By the third season, it starts to get a bit dark. You're like, oh, but... But I've already started watching it, and I'm engaged, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm half of the season through. I can't give this up. It's, it's so good. But we were watching a show, and it just, something in our spirits just didn't feel right. And, and look, there was nothing, like, overtly spiritual or demonic about it, but there was a lot of, like, death and gruesome stuff and murders and everything. And, and I think after a while, it just started to wear down on our souls. And so we decided, we prayed about it and decided, oh, let's watch another show. So we started watching another show called Alone. Has anyone heard of this show? Yeah, a couple of people in the room. If you haven't watched it, it's so fascinating. Um, essentially what Alone is, is reality TV, not the Kardashians, um, but it's reality TV where uh, a bunch of, it's 10 wilderness explorer type vibe folks, they're, they're survivalists is what they call them, go out into the wild, they're dropped off alone in several places along a coastline or something, and then they have to survive by themselves, no guns, just bows and arrows, old-fashioned style, living out. And the, the season that we were watching, these guys were out in the Arctic. They were out in northern Canada where it gets down to like negative 40 degrees Celsius in wintertime. It's actually, it turns out it's the same Fahrenheit or Celsius if it's negative 40. I did not know that. I learned a lot of fun things in this show. Um, one of those is don't eat raw fish. Um, you can get mad food poisoning from that. Um, food poisoning. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, the, one contestant had to go home and I was like, yo, I'm off fish for the rest of my life. Um, another thing that we learned, there was this one, a few contestants built really cool shelters. And that got my mind going. I'm, I'm like an interior decorator person. I love, I love that kind of thing. And, and they were building really cool shelters. And one of the ladies um, built one where the wall, she built like a wall of logs and then had a bit of a gap and then built another wall of logs and then filled that little gap with moss and pine needles and stuff for insulation. Isn't that interesting? That's so, that's so smart. That's so, like, my mind is blown by that. And some of you guys are like, oh, that's just common sense, right? Insulation. No, it was not common sense for me. I did not know this. I was learning so much from this. There was one contestant who was doing the opposite of everything that he should, and it drove my husband and I mad because he just pulled a bunch of long sticks together, tied them at the top, and wrapped his tarp around it, and then put pine needles around it and was like, done. <laughs> sorted and he's in the middle of winter like temperatures slowly dropping it's like negative 10 negative 20 degrees and he's just like it's so cold and my Sam and I are like 
of course it is, bro. Your shelter sucks. What are you doing? Um, and he's just like, it's so cold. I don't know why it's so cold. Like, it's, it's freezing out here. My body um, is struggling with this, this ice on the walls. And we're like, bro, your shelter literally is is nothing it's it's so it's so dumb right now and you you're you're just living your life with zero common sense what are you doing my guy um please note that the whole entire time Sam and I are having this vent um and ranting against this person we're sitting from the comfort of our couch (laughs) in a nice warm home (laughs) and I know for a fact that if I was out there in the wild I would not have thought of doing that nice little insulation thing. I would have just been like, tent, tarp, done, sorted. Um, But in the same way, don't you think that there's some things in our life that we're like, oh, it's common sense. Some of us might think it's common sense and other of us haven't had the experience or or the lifestyle or, or read up enough about this stuff to know what is common sense and what works well, what helps us to, to survive, to live, to even thrive. Um, and, and so, and I know that a lot of us are in the room right now and we're at very different stages of our journey with God. Some of us have just started. Others have been doing this for years. My dad's been doing this for a hundred years. Um, <laughs> sorry, Dan. he's not, he's not, he's not, but he's a very wise man. And I think he probably knew about the insulation. I did not. <laughs> um, but, but yes, so there's, there's things that seem common sense to some of us, but not common sense to others. And so I'm just going to go through a bunch of very common sense stuff um, throughout our talk tonight. Um, and, and hopefully we will come out of this having learned a little bit more about ourselves, about each other, um, and, and about God. So we've been talking about uh, spiritual warfare in this series. We've acknowledged that there is such a thing as the spiritual realm. In fact, if, if you even think about it, uh, unless you're from a Western culture, most cultures around the world have already been like, yeah, there's common sense, there's a spiritual realm, there's good and evil, there's bad spirits that are out there to attack you, and you've got to watch out for it, you've got to be careful what you do. It's kind of like, yeah, most people know that if you stick your finger into a fire, it's going to get burned, right? So same thing. Um, I think even, uh, like, it's Māori Language Week, so um, Te Ao Māori has, uh, this, the worldview of Māori has... Um, uh, a lot of acknowledgement of spirits in the spiritual realm. I'm from South Africa. We went back to South Africa at the start of this year. And when we went there, it was so interesting because everyone there acknowledged, oh yeah, nope, spirits are, are really real. In fact, there's witch doctors out there. My mum had one girl that she went to school with who grew up to be a witch doctor. How wild is that? And it's so, it's so normal and they talk about like uh, like witch doctors. I won't go too much into detail with this, but um, she considers herself like a, a, a light magic, light magic, or like a white magic um, witch doctor, which is like the good kind. And then you've got the dark magic witch doctor, which is like the bad kind that puts curses and all of that stuff. My only problem with that kind of thing is anything that's not of God has to be something else, right? Yeah, so if it's, if it's, you can't have like good magic, bad magic, and God. No, if it's not God, then it's something else, and that something else isn't good. Make sense? Make sense? Yeah, okay, cool. Common sense, right? We, if we think about it, it, it does, the, the logic adds up. 
And so we, we talk about in our, in our Western culture, there's a lot of emphasis on like science and logic. I've done a master's of science um, a degree and I can tell you for a fact that science and spirituality doesn't cancel each other out. The supernatural just goes beyond the natural. That's how it works. It's supernatural, right? Uh, but it's really easy to forget that there can be a link between the physical and the spiritual. There's actually great overlap with it. So the things that you do physically in this world that you see and can touch and, and can feel and can hear, this world, everything you do here, actually has spiritual consequences. And things that happen in the spiritual can have physical consequences, can manifest as sickness, as, as anger, as violence, as crime. Things that happen in the spiritual affect the physical and vice versa. We're all on the same page here. Yes, amazing. Okay, all right. So we're talking about common sense. What are some things that we can do or that we do in this world, in the physical, that actually impact our spiritual lives? What are some perhaps the shelters that we build that actually let in some things that are not good for us, letting the cold, letting the wild animals, letting things that harm our, our minds and our hearts and our bodies that aren't healthy for our souls. And so I want to talk about that a bit more. And um, please keep in mind that this is not a talk about like it's not, I'm not trying to accuse anybody or, or make anyone feel ashamed or anything like that. No, no, I'm just wanting to allow, allow the Holy Spirit to convict you a little bit about some of the things that you've been doing and some of the things that I've been doing so that we can all have a little bit extra common sense when it comes to dealing with things in the spiritual world. Um, and Jesus was very aware of the spiritual realm. In fact, if we, if we go to Luke chapter 9, um, if you guys want to open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 9, verse 37. Jesus was very aware of the spiritual realm. I mean, he's God. He did healings. He did miracles. He cast out demons. And, and we're going to read one story of this right now in Luke chapter 9, verse 37. Um, now, just before this, Jesus had sent out his disciples. They'd gone out into the world and, um, uh, and, and done miracles in his name and cast out demons in his name and everything. And, um, uh, and then just before this story, Jesus went up onto a mountainside, got transfigured. Transfigured literally just meant like he got um, all lit up with glory, like his face was literally glowing. Um, and his disciples got so freaked out by that that they decided to build some shelters, which is not as relatable to me because I'm like, I've never panicked and then been like, I want to build a house. <laughs> like, ah, where's my tools? You know, never had that kind of thing happen. But hey, they did that. Then we get to Luke chapter 9, verse 37, and it goes, the next day when they came down from the mountain, a large crowd met him. A man in the crowd called out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. A spirit seizes him and he suddenly screams. Now this is not like the, the whole situation where the mom wakes up in the middle of the night and you're standing at her bedside going, Mom, I just had a nightmare. But she just wakes up and sees a child staring at her in the dark. This is not that kind of situation. Sorry, mom, for all the times that I have done that. Um, no, no, the, the man says, a spirit seizes him and he suddenly screams. It throws him into convulsion so that he foams at the mouth. 
It scarcely ever leaves him and is destroying him. I begged your disciples to drive him out, but they could not. I mean, Jesus replied with the the biggest fighting words I've ever seen in my entire life. He says, you unbelieving and perverse generation. He says, how long shall I stay with you and put up with you? Bring your son here. And even when the boy was coming, the demon threw him to the ground in a convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the impure spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. Jesus set him free. But before that moment of freedom, we notice something that Jesus highlighted. And it's really tough words. I'm going to explain them for you guys. Because it stood out to me and I was like, oh, Jesus, that, that sounds... That sounds really mean. Why, why are you calling people unbelieving and perverse? I want to clarify Jesus isn't calling them perverts. Um, he's, he's, he's saying, another translation says, faithless and twisted. Perversion is essentially just the twisting of God's original good design. So in the same way that, say, God designed uh, worship, or God designed music as a way to worship him, but we've now twisted it into something that celebrates and worships sex and alcohol and violence. Or how he's designed love to be unconditional. But now we sometimes see people turning love into a, a way to manipulate people. Or it's transactional. So that's what he means by that. And then when Jesus says unbelieving generation or faithless generation, he's pointing out that People still aren't accepting the fact that he's the Messiah, that he's a son of God. In fact, that he has the power and the authority to work in the spiritual realm, to, to um, set people free, to break chains. Jesus has that power, but people weren't believing it. And, and I think that it, it kind of speaks to our generation as well in a really kind of awkward way that we're we're still that unbelieving, twisted generation. Because if you look at Western world, and, and I mean, across the world, really, faith is being mocked. People don't really believe that there's a spiritual battle being fought. In fact, we don't, we're not really aware of it, and we don't spend a lot of time thinking about it. At least in Jesus' time, many people recognized physical symptoms as a spiritual influence. Whereas we've probably become more desensitized ourselves to these kinds of things, lost some of our common sense, played down a very real spiritual world and, and reduced it into our minds to only things that we can see and touch and rationalize. And we gloss over the impact that actions and behaviors can have on our very souls. Common sense has gone out the window. Oh, it's, it's just a song. Oh, it's just a movie. Oh, it's just another drink another pill, another smoke. What harm can it do? It hasn't hurt me yet. It hasn't done anything to me that I can see. But when we take part in activities and behavior that goes against the very good way that God has designed you and I to work, then it opens up the doorway in our hearts to the spiritual realm and it opens up our hearts in a very dangerous way. Some of these doors that may open up in our lives, they might not just be like drugs and alcohol, which can um, lower your guard and make you more vulnerable to, to spiritual attack, but it can also be things like crime or, or playing around with witchcraft and Ouija boards. 
astrology, horoscopes, all of those kinds of things, if they're not of God, then what are they of? But it can also, and this is the stuff where it really started convicting me, can also be the music that we listen to. Have you ever thought about the lyrics of that song, that really catchy song that you're listening to? There's a song, um, TikTok tends to have like little snippets of songs to each of their videos. And you're usually just watching the content of the videos, not realizing that the, the, the lyrics that are being um, uh, sung in that song from that music patch or music section are being sung over you. It's actually, it's actually coming at you and it's actually coming against you. There's some really demonic songs that have come out that are some of the most popular and, and catchy songs that I've ever heard in my entire life. There's a song by Sam Smith um, called Holy, which is not. Um, <laughs> there's a song by like Doja Cat, which is called Demons. And there's a lot of these things. Interestingly enough, I looked at, um, I didn't watch the music video, but I looked at the comments under her um, music video and a lot of people were saying, Thanks, Doja, for reminding me why I should go to church. <laughs> or, thanks, Doja, thanks to this, I'm going to be praying every day and night. <laughs> so God is doing some good things, I guess. Um, uh, other doorways that the enemy might enter into through is movies. What you're consuming visually, videos that you watch, pornography, all of those kinds of things. In fact, on the movies um, point, uh, horror movies have become very normalized in our society. Oh, it's just a horror movie. Oh, my, all my friends watch it. Oh, it's fun. I actually don't really get scared. I just enjoy it. It, it actually makes me laugh. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I get it. Like, you don't, you don't feel and you don't see the impact that it's making on your soul. But one thing that it's doing is it's desensitizing you. The other thing that it's doing is it's making you actually go, ah, I'm associating good things with a very dark and negative thing. Even if it's not demonic, overtly demonic in that horror movie or that thriller or whatever it is that you're watching, the, perhaps it's celebrating death. How, how is that going to be something that you see um, in heaven? And just as a challenge, like, do you think that the content of that movie is going to be something that you see in heaven? Do you think that's the content of that movie or, or, I mean, I'm thinking even like action movies. There's some action movies that I've loved back in the day that now I watch and my, my spirit goes, oh, that's, that's too much um, gore. That's too much violence because we were never made to witness such violence and such gore. Our original design was to live in peace and harmony. We were, our original design was to live with love and joy in our lives. And if we're consuming things that are not love and joy and peace and purity and, and, um, and goodness, then what are we consuming? What are we letting into our subconscious, into our lives? No wonder we're getting nightmares. <laughs> Did you ever think that maybe those things were connected? Um, and, and look, I'm, I'm saying all of these things. I have watched the movies. <laughs> I have listened to the songs and I have been definitely convicted, um, very, very clearly convicted by God in this, which is why I'm sharing it to you guys so that we're all gathering the common sense that he's trying to share with us tonight. Um, other things that, that come out as well, other doorways, um, can be gossip, lying. Have you ever considered that it's not just a one-way door, it's a two-way what comes out of your mouth? 
In fact, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. My mom's always been really, really big on this for me. She's always been like, you need to speak life because there is life and the power of life and death in the tongue. It's a two-way street. Sometimes it's not even the things you do though, but through trauma that has been done to you that you had no control over, abuse from loved ones or generational cycles from your parents and your grandparents of unhealthy behaviors and addictions. And look, that's not on you. But that is something that God can set you free from. You don't have to carry that generational cycle or what's been done to you through and pass it on to your children. You can be the the chain that breaks in that cycle. You can protect them from what comes next. So it's not just a horror movie, it's a doorway. It's not just a song, it's a doorway. It's not just a hot picture or a video, it's a doorway. That's one of the lies that the enemy always likes to put into our minds is it's just. It's just. Oh, it's just. It's just a movie. It's just a drink. It's just a night. But it's not just. It's never just. There's never um, a safe way to participate in the darkness of the spiritual realm. There's, there's never a safe way to engage with these kinds of things and think that you come out unscathed. And it might only be a really little thing, just like a slight numbing of your soul to death or a slight numbing of your soul to something. But after a while, it all builds up too. And hey, I'm not, I'm not here, again, I'm not here to cast fear into anybody. This is just common sense. This is just things that God has has put in place to protect us. Genesis 4 verse 7 says, but if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. There's always a but with God. He gives us the tools. He gives us the strength. He gives us the protection and the covering, but we must do what is right. We must have common sense when we deal with these things. Just because you didn't know about it doesn't mean that there's not consequences. In fact, sometimes it makes you even more vulnerable. But now that we know about it, oh, there's no unseeing it once you've already seen it, right? There's no unknowing once you know that that thing that you're doing is not good for your heart. It's not healthy. It's not good for your soul. Proverbs 25 verse 28 says, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. And, and in, in Bible times, like a city without walls would be a very dangerous place to live in. It's like that tiny little shelter that that man built is such a dangerous place. It's also a very dumb place to live in. Anyways, I'm over it. Um, <laughs> can't you tell? Um, it's just begging to be invaded. People would live in fear of enemy soldiers coming in or wild animals prowling the streets. There's no protection. In the same way, if we don't practice self-control, if we're not intentional about what goes into our bodies, into our minds, into our hearts, then we're like a city without walls. So I encourage us all to be wise and intentional with what we consume. First Peter 5 verse 8 says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prances around like a roaring lion looking for somewhere to devour. Proverbs 4, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And what happens when that door opens? Maybe nothing the first time round or the second time round, 
But just like the, those verses pointed out, the enemy is crouching at your door waiting for an opportunity to come in through that doorway and take a foothold. Essentially what a foothold is, is like a, it's like a strategic position that the enemy is now in you and he can, he can play around with that part of or that area of your life. He can take control or he can, he can start to trip you up and make you unhealthy in the ways that you think and the ways that you talk. Um, and and some, some footholds might be as simple as unforgiveness. I was talking to a friend of mine and, and we, were, we were going through a lot of pray, prayer because she uh, had been carrying a lot of spiritual weight. Um, and it had just been starting to wear her down. Um, a lot of unhealthy... Um, uh, negative self-talk and behaviors that were coming out of that. Um, she said to me that it felt like she was she she was hearing herself say things like "You're unworthy," "You're unloved," um, "You don't you don't belong here." And and I think that there are some people in this room who are also hearing that negative self-talk right now, that whispers of the enemy in your head that's coming in and it's saying you you are not loved. You are unwanted. In fact, I think there's some people in this room who've come in here and gone hearing, have been hearing the words, you don't even deserve to live. And I want to speak to you right now. If you've come into this room right now and you've been thinking about ending your life, I want to say that, no, that, that's not your voice that's speaking right now. That's not truth. You are loved you are wanted. God sees you. God knows you. And he calls you out and he says, you are my child. I have called you out. I want to be in relationship with you. I want to set you free. I want to set you free from these lies of the enemy. I want to set you free from the pain and the suffering that these doors have opened up in your life. I want to set you free from anything that the enemy sends against you because I have life and life in abundance in mind for you, in store for you. And so my friend and I were praying and, and um, one of the things that we identified in our heart um, was that the enemy had gotten a foothold in the unforgiveness in her heart. She'd had a really difficult upbringing, a lot of um, emotional abuse from her father. Um, and so there was unforgiveness with regards to him. And I know that there are people in this room who've had difficult upbringings or you've found that there's been difficult relationships in your life people have hurt you, things have happened, and it's really hard to let go of that, because why, they don't deserve my forgiveness, right? But I heard this saying that unforgiveness is like drinking poison, expecting it to kill the other person. So why would we, why would we do that to ourselves? Sometimes it feels familiar, Things like anger can be a foothold. Things like bitterness or resentment can be a foothold. It feels familiar. It's normal. It's what I'm used to. It's what I'm used to since I've grown up. It's, it's something that maybe fuels me. Who will I be without this? But no, you've been called for freedom, my friends. You've been called for more than that. You've been called for a life of freedom, of hope, of peace. And God wants to set you free right now. And so we, we prayed over that unforgiveness and, and it was really difficult, but she did it. 
And then we broke off some of that spiritual um, hold and some of that spiritual weight that had been on her life. And, and we're still working through that, but she came away from that feeling lighter. Do you want to come out of this feeling lighter? Do you want to come out tonight feeling lighter? Feeling like the weight of, of things that have happened to you and the things that you've been doing has been broken off. You've been set free. Do you want to be free tonight? Come on, church. Do you want to be free tonight? Yeah, come on. Amen. Amen. And hey, I, I don't want to just go about saying, oh, this is what you shouldn't do. This is what you shouldn't do. Don't do, don't do, don't do. Really, at the end of the day, if you're thinking, is this what, is what I'm doing a good thing or not? Let's look at Ephesians of Philippians 4 verse 8. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Notice that it doesn't say whatever is true, whatever is normal. Normal doesn't mean good. Just because it's familiar doesn't mean it's right. And, it do, and, and thinking about these things doesn't mean that we live in this happy bubble. Just, I don't know, singing Kumbaya and watching VeggieTales. It does mean that we need to be aware of what is going on around us. Being intentional about what comes into our hearts. Having common sense about the things that we participated with in the, spirit, oh, in the physical realm that have spiritual consequences. And some of the gateways, good gateways, good doorways that we can open. Because there are good ones too. There's not just bad ones, there's good ones too. We actually sang that song before, praise. I, my praise is the water that the enemy drowns in. Isn't that metal? <laughs> that's so intense. <laughs> but it's so true, right? Like that's a spiritual warfare weapon right there. Praise is a gateway that the Holy Spirit can come through and work something powerful in your life. When you're feeling down, when you're feeling depressed and you praise, that speaks to the enemy that he has no hold on you. Prayer is a gateway that we can communicate to God through. We speak to God. We allow Holy Spirit into our lives. Prayer is a good gateway. And finally, Jesus is a good gateway. John 10 verse 9 says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. 